performing works by Brian Eno, and from Sonic Youth, Thurston Moore. And on February 15th at 8 p.m., the Chan Center and Kickstart Disability Arts and Culture present Weights, a live performance with Lynn Manning, a riveting one-man play told by actor-storyteller Lynn Manning about how his life changed forever when a bullet shot in a crowded Los Angeles bar robbed him of his sight. The show opens with BC singer-songwriter and recent Canadian Aboriginal Music Award winner Krista Couture. Tickets at Ticketmaster, student ticket pricing available for both shows. For more information, visit chancenter.com.
And, <clears throat> excuse me, we are back on Stereoscopic Readout here. The best music for washing your dishes, too, didn't you know, on 101.9 FM CITR. And that was Vancouver's own The TV's two tracks by them from their self-titled debut indie release on Trendsetter Records here. Oh, how about that? Um, yeah, In a Trance and My Baby were the two tracks you heard. Started that off with The Folklords uh, from... Good God, I don't even know when that came out. Nineteen, Probably no earlier than 1967 based on the spectacular fashions they're wearing on the uh, cover of the album. If you... The album's got maybe a couple of good songs on it, and after a bit, it actually really starts to get quite tedious. But um, it's it's worth taking a look just for the album cover alone. Uh, really cool paisley narrow jackets and so forth on the cover. But uh, you heard Jennifer Lee from the folklore. It's probably from somewhere back east, I would assume, Ontario, but the Maritimes are a possibility. And wedged in there, some live Green Hour band from their show at the Rio Theatre last October, opening for Ben Sinister. And that was Eastern Skin, a track which should make the album that they were going to start recording soon at the Hive. And... Yeah, so there we are. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are on from 6 to 7.30 on Thursday evenings, followed at 7.30 by Exquisite Corpse, but Bleak is taking the weekend off to visit some family down in the States, so he has pre-recorded a show for you because he's the diligent sort of guy that he is. So uh, you'll hear Bleak in spirit, if not in body, and then... At 9 p.m., Ben's in for live from Thunderbird Radio Hell <clears throat> until 11, and that's going to conclude your broadcast day here on CITR. But we still have about 40 minutes, and I'm going to wedge as much British psych and freak beat as I can into the next 40 minutes. I'm going to see what I can do, but certainly I'm not going to interrupt you until the top of the hour. So to kick things off, here is tomorrow. Don't 
listen. Radio is an important means of communicating 3,000 years of habit in terms of diapering of babies. Well, please tell me more. Because radio reaches people, including those hard-to-get young people. Radio goes where they go and talks their language, recognizing the importance of contemporary sound. And the sounds are instantly recognizable as belonging to the in-groups currently on top of the charts. CITR, 101.9 FM, Vancouver. It's wild. Back, <clears throat> excuse me, back with you on Stereoscopic Readout here on this Thursday evening. Uh, about a little under lo- half an hour left in the program, and that was quite a long set, so I will get to it tomorrow. We began with tomorrow. <laughs> Steve Howe's first stab at success. They did enjoy some success in 1967. Excuse me. Um, Steve Howe on guitar later to go to the very acme of fame and derision as the guitarist for Yes. But um, this is certainly the best project I would say he was involved in with Keith West on vocals. He of excerpt from a teenage opera. John Twinkalder on drums, latterly of... The Pink Fairies and the Pretty Things, and John Jr. Wood on bass, My White Bicycle. A song inspired by a trip to Amsterdam where the band was exposed to the sort of anarcho-communal antics of the Dutch provos. So I'd say look that up because they did some quite interesting things that they did around that time. My White Bicycle obviously being inspired by the idea that they could... um, the Provos had this idea that you could basically take a bunch of old bicycles, fix them up, paint them white, and have the, uh, that's where the communal bike idea came from. They'd leave bikes around, and you'd, the idea being that you'd take a bike and ride it someplace, and then when you were finished with it, you'd just leave it, and somebody else would pick it up. And it didn't quite work because people would just repaint the bikes and take them for themselves or take the bike home from the bar when they were drunk and just chuck the bike in the canal when they were finished, so... Uh, followed tomorrow with the name uh, bands I kind of introduced you to last show. Uh, don't know anything about them other than they left a pretty good A side for a unreleased acetate back in, recorded in '66. Pandemonium uh, from Electric Sugar Cube Flashbacks Volume Four with No Presence for Me, and followed them with. It was supposed to be a all British sort of freak beat set, but uh, mascots are from Sweden. Uh, the Girl That You Are, that's just a song that I've been listening to over and over and over again, along with the previous name track, Hello Edith, uh, two tracks that really do it for me. The Craig from Birmingham in England. I thought they were American. They pop up on Pebbles Volume 7. I assumed that they were American, but it turns out they were from Britain. Uh, the track is I Must Be Mad, kind of an unusually garagey sound for a British band from that time, and we will be getting to other garagey sounding British bands from that period as well in the next set. Uh, the Answers followed them from... Ooh, sorry. <laughs> the Answers with Just a Fear. That's from Chocolate Soup for Diabetics, Volume 4. Um, 
I don't know much about them either, but their guitarist Tony Hill uh, teamed up with the Misunderstood. Yes, the infamous Misunderstood from California, who relocated to London on the advice of Mr. John Peel. Um, it's a long story, but several of them were due for their draft evaluation or their evaluation by the U.S. Draft Board. This being the height of the Vietnam War, so they all skipped off to Britain and spent the rest of their careers basically being hounded by the FBI. <clears throat> One of the guitarists had to relocate back to the States to deal with his draft problems, promptly arrested and thrown into the Army, so Mr. Tony Hill of The Answers filled in for him for a bit. Uh, followed them with the eyes from 1966, their classic I'm Road Out single. Sorry, 1965. One of the great mysteries of music as to why that song was not a hit or at least better known, but uh, a classic it is, and it's floating out there in cyberspace. And ended that with The Somerset, also from Side Trips Volume 6, which is another purchase I made over the Christmas holidays. Um, I had a few singles out on Columbia during the 60s, uh, but that song, because it's over was tucked away on a B-side of a cover of, good God, Flower Pot Men? Track called, or a cover of the song uh, Let's All Go to San Francisco, which was a U.S.-only release. So apparently that single is about as rare as hen's teeth, but uh, good track nonetheless. Anyway, speaking of British bands tailored to the u.s market this is the creation with the u.s version of how does it feel to feel Down the sun, babe. How does it feel? Busting clouds. 
Let's try that again, shall we? Now my heart is broken, 
are back with the final minutes of stereoscopic readout here on 101.9 FM CRTR in Vancouver, UBC Campus Radio. And that set, that we started that set off with the the American mix of the Creations single, How Does It Feel to Feel? Unusually the one that has the more, the more feedback and uh, basic guitar flip out bits <laughs> sorry playing with the uh the what okay what is the part on the guitar between the bridge and the bridge saddles or the you know what i don't even know what i'm talking about um the british version has significantly less feedback and uh other fiddly bits in it which is unusual because the first time that the creation were shopped to the united states they were kind of I kept having their demo sent back saying like, are you quite aware that there's a lot of feedback on this? Please re-record it. Anyway, followed that with Miller from, or Pete Miller, but his band was called Miller with Baby I Got News For You, um, signed to the Oak Records label. And that comes off of the story of Oak Records, an anthology of recordings made at R.G. Jones Morton Studios, 1964 to 1968. It's a good album. We also heard the Gremlins with High Time Baby. Man, wedged in between those two Oak Records tracks, we heard a Swedish band called Anna B. Knox and a track called Bobo Boggy Pack. (laughs) And the last thing you heard was Johnny Kendall and the Heralds with Girl. Anyway, we are almost done, and um, I'm pretty sure I've never played any move for you, which is fairly strange because they were pretty big news in 1967 in London, especially because they were sued by the, was it Harold Wilson or Ted Heath? I think it was Harold Wilson. The Move 1966 Christmas card to their fan club featured a drawing or some sort of doctored photograph of Harold Wilson in bed with his secretary, which... It's kind of a touchy subject because it was a widespread rumor that he was banging his secretary, having an affair on his wife. So he successfully sued. Apparently, if you even read books, they, they'll make these cryptic comments, though, for legal reasons, we can't tell you what it is. But apparently that's what it was, was Harold Wilson in bed with the secretary. Uh, kind of stalled their career, as it were. But for a little while, they did have something going, and it was all... Started off by this track, I Can Hear the Grass Grow. That will be it from me for this week. Probably going to follow it up with some Tintern Abbey. But this, for the time being, is the move. Goodbye for now. See the people all
Sweet toast, not feeling like a ghost. 